Hey, how's it going? This is Evan Jackson, video production director of New Life Church. Thank you so much for joining us for our podcast today. It's our goal to help you grow in your faith and discover all that God has for you. I hope you're encouraged, challenged, and inspired today. Enjoy the message. Let's open our word today uh, with a single verse that I want to I want to start out with before we even get to the big idea. Um, John, skip ahead to John 3, 16 through 17. It's calling an audible. How does God see you? How does God see you? That's the question I want to ask today. How does God see you? Let me answer that question with one verse. For God so loved the world in this way. He gave his only one and only son, one and only son, so that everyone who believes, now that word is important, believes in him, will not perish, but have eternal life. Believes. Pastuo is the Greek word for that, pastuo. And it means this, to believe is to entrust, to rely on, to put faith in, and this is the word I want to focus on, to depend. So let's read that word again. For God loved the world that he gave his only son, whoever depends on. Remember, we're not enough. But when we depend on Christ, right, we'll not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Let's go to the big idea. The big idea is this. God created us to be dependently, to be dependently in relationship with him. We are meant to be dependent on him. That's how you're wired. That's how you're created. The pursuit of independence from him is the source of our pain. It always has been, and it always will be. That's a super simplification of the concept, but think about it. If you're wired for dependence and you desire independence, then that's going to cause problems. So how does God see us? Well, according to John 3, 16, he so, capital S-O I would put, so loves you. He so loves you. He's working for your life, not your condemnation. We get that flipped in our, in our script, don't we? God's always against us. He's always coming after us. He's, always, he's working for your life, not your condemnation. He sent Jesus to save you. Save you from who? The devil? Nope. He came to save you from you. Let this sink in for a second. He came to save you from him. We'll, talk, we'll unpack that a little bit, okay? His desire is to keep you, to bring you back into right relationship, to restore you to your proper design. Let's pause for just one second, and let's open with a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for this opportunity we have to look at your word, to see how you see us. What does your word tell us? How do we live this life, and how do we understand your thoughts towards us today? And we ask this in all 
uh, all the grace and mercy that comes through the relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, centuries ago, the writer of Proverbs said this. Proverbs 9.10. For the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom? Hmm, interesting. Our problem is that we don't really believe that. In Genesis chapter 2, we read that in the garden, God commanded that the man and the woman not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And somehow, we think that command spoiled everything. That's, that was mean. I mean, we, we think about it. It's like he put it in the middle of the garden and said, don't touch it. That's, that's cruel, right? Right? Hmm, interesting. But it was, listen to this, but it was the only moral boundary that's, that the supremely generous God gave to his creatures. Think about that for a second. And it was given to them out of love to protect them. Because God knew that living outside of our design dependence would bring death. Now, this is not, when they broke this, this is not like, you know, driving 75 miles in a 65 zone. Where, like, you might get nailed and you might have to pay a fine. This is a big deal. Why? Rejection of God's rule is personal. It spurns his good, generous, and gracious providence for us. Now, I want you to talk about, I want to talk about this for a second because we don't get this perspective often. Remember, the forbidden tree was at the center of the garden. In Genesis 2.9, that's what it says. In the center of the garden, God told them they could enjoy every, uh, okay, in the center, sorry, restate this. In the center of the garden in which God told them they could enjoy every other fruit and good thing. So it's at the center, and he, Man had to walk through the blessings of God that are all around to get to the one thing, the one thing that they couldn't have. It was all there for the taking, including, and the other thing in the center of the garden was the tree of life. I don't know if they were right next to each other or what. It's like, but they were both, the, the scriptures say that they were both in the center. Life was in the center and death was in the center. And the abundance of God's Generosity was all around. It's like walking past millions of yeses to get to the one no and then turning around and accusing God of being stingy. That's what it is. Walking past, yes, yes, you can have that, you can do that, you can have this, this is good for you, this is good for you, this is awesome. Oh, yeah, you want that? You got that, that's yours. Never mind that the only reason they're able to walk in the garden in the first place is God made them. Their legs are a gift from God. Their breath is a gift from God. So they're walking through the abundance of what God has given, and they are fixated on the one thing they can't have. God be stingy. He's a stingy God. Even worse than that, it snubs the one in whom they depend on everything. Everything that they depend on for life and just existence is, exists in God. So it snubs their nose at that. It's like, it's like, a, um, like a scuba diver like deciding, I don't want my oxygen tank. 
Good luck with that. And here's the thing. You may suffer through that and live for a little while. But at the end of the day, that oxygen is going to run out. So it is with God. We imagine we can survive and even thrive without him. After all, Adam and Eve didn't immediately die upon eating the fruit. But death became their destiny. And death was provided as a mercy. Think of, oh, wow. This will uh, turn your brain upside down. Ready? Death was provided as a mercy because God knew that if they were to continue to eat of the tree of life in their sinful state, it would be perpetually enslaved to sin, perpetually, forever. So he put a finiteness to that reality. I was talking to my father-in-law last night, and his brother has probably got two weeks left to live. He's in hospice. It's, it's a sad thing. And uh, the, this, the conversation turned to, like, I don't know what's worse, like having all this drawn-out sickness that leads to death or, like, a death that comes quickly and unexpectedly. And I was like, Neither. They both stink. They're both awful. There's no way. Death is horrible. And I said, it's really one of those things that that just tells us that death is not natural to us. Think about it for a second. We have all these thoughts and rituals and ideas and and concepts around this thing we do that we uh, have been living with for since the creation of of humanity called death. We think about it. We worry about it. It's not natural to us. We know somehow deep inside, and the Bible says that that God put eternity in our hearts. We know that we are not finite creatures, and this death thing is not natural to us. There has to be. There has to be something out there more, right? Because because it's true. And our hearts long for that immortality that that came naturally to us in creation that was broken by our bad decisions. So he moved them out of the garden so that they couldn't eat the tree of life and live in that sorry state forever. So, that being said, Galatians chapter 4. Here we go. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. What does that mean? A son is dependent on his father. You you can't, you can't, uh, uh, an adoption situation happens this way. I want to adopt you. I don't, but I'm using you as an, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. All right. Unless, I mean, okay, all right. Uh, No, I want to adopt you. It's my choice to come to you and say, I'm gonna, I want to adopt you. I want, you I, want to, I want to alleviate your situation. And if you guys knew him, you'd know this. But <laughs> the, the idea is this. It's, it's, it's from top down. It's a top down thing. The adult comes to the child and says, I want to bring you. And I want, to, I want you to rely on me. I want to give you a new situation. I want to give you a new life. That's what God does. Verse 6. And because... You are sons. God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, 
crying, Abba, Father. Daddy is how that is uh, translated. So you are no longer slaves. You're no longer slaves to that sin. You are no longer slaves to that bad choice. You're no longer slaves to your, your, your desire for independence from the one who cares supremely about you. You're no longer slaves to that, but a son or daughter. And if you are son or child, then heirs through God. Can anybody give me a quick amen? That is amazing. That's amazing. So I want to deal with three facts today. Three facts of life. Remember that show, The Facts of Life? All right, I'm old. Okay. The kids are like, you're weird. That's no. Tootie. Remember Tootie? I don't know why that popped in my head. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> facts of life. All right. Facts of life number one. Things go wrong, but God is sovereign. I've been studying in my personal devotions through the story of Joseph. And you want to read a story about things going wrong. Things go wrong. God did not intervene in every situation. When his brothers were the worst <laughs> brothers ever, God didn't say, oh, no, 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 intervene and, and, and stop that. But God took the wrong, and he made something out of it. Because we live in a broken world. We, live, we, we, we chose to break this world. But God is sovereign through the brokenness to create beautiful things. We have quite a high opinion of ourselves on the whole. We make our plans for the future. We even call it the foreseeable future. That is the most loaded piece of crock ever. You can't foresee it. You can hope it. You can maybe project it, but you can't see it. It's not foreseeable. Right? We have a lot of, as if we were really able to foresee it. But still, things go wrong. You ever have a plan that came off the, the rails? It was like we, weekly. Yes, I know. The, left, right, the best laid plans of mice and men always are thwarted. James 4, 13 says this. Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow I will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. Yet you don't even know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills it, we will live and do this and that. What does that mean? Why, why is that? Is that like a, a, a mantra or a talisman of, like, if I say these words, then I'm going to get what I want? No, it's saying this. I am going to put my life under God's control. I am going to stay and remain dependent on his sovereignty like I was created to. Proverbs 19.21, a lot of scripture today. Many of the plans of a man's heart, but in the Lord, but the Lord's purpose that prevails. So go ahead and make your plans, but make sure that there are underneath the sovereignty of God, independence to the one who created you to be dependent on him. The trick, I want you to think about, I'll leave that verse back up there, uh, John, thank you. I want you to look at this verse while we talk about this, this next point. The trick to life, an abundant life, 
is to get close to God, listen, to get so close to him, right, that you're, you're abiding, and we, we did that whole series, abiding, right, to get so close to God that the plans of your heart are lockstep with his purposes. When the plans of your heart are lockstep with his purposes, you can be pretty sure that those purposes will prevail. But when our, our, our steps are ordered by our own desires, our own uh, ambitions, all, we, can't get, we can't rely on those. So we need to press in. Okay, fact number of life number two. Actions have consequences, but God restores. That's another amen moment, but if you didn't know, yeah, thank God, right? Actions have consequences. Did you know that actions have consequences for good and bad? Your actions have consequences, but God restores. Whether we like it or not, God is still God. Wrongdoing ultimately has consequences. This is precisely how God wired the universe. Cause and effect. God has created a moral universe. And he will always act with justice. We're in real danger. <laughs> That's what I was talking about earlier. God came to save us from, from us, from ourselves. He came to save you from you. And he came to save us from him. Because he's a just God. And he has to ultimately punish evil doing. Can we just go back to communion for a second? That's what he did. He punished your evil deeds and he put them on Christ. He made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. Think about, just, just think about that for a second. A sinless being. He didn't just die for your sins. He took your sins on himself. Some theologians don't agree with this, but I do. I think that's why God could not look on the, on the Christ on the cross. I think it was so repugnant to see the sinless Christ filthy with your sins and my sins. So justice is going to be done. It's either going to be put on the, laid on the back and the hands and the feet of Jesus when you accept him as your Lord and Savior, or you're going to pay that. Galatians 6, 7 through 8. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will it also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from his flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Romans 6.23, for the wage of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That is a huge but. Circle the buts in your Bibles because they're huge. They make all the difference in the world. That's a huge but. God did not leave us to just receive our own wages. He delights in restoration. Ezekiel 18, 32 says this, For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Lord God. So turn and live. 
God desires that we all turn and return to the original state of dependence, faith, and relationship with him. That is his heart. But the heart of man is treacherous. I mean, think about it. They couldn't get their eyes off of that stupid tree. I mean, they're regularly going up and picking fruit from the tree of life, and they're like, hmm, looks good. I can't find anything in this whole beautiful garden that looks as good as that. Isn't that the human nature? What we don't have, we want. What we can't have, we obsess over. Jeremiah 17 says this, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately uh, desperately sick. We We can't understand it. The Lord searches the heart and tests the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Humans are sick in so many ways. So often we work against our own best interests just for a momentary high. We will work against our best interests. We will break solid relationships that are life-giving for the sake of something else that's stupid. Why? Because we're stupid. We're thick. We will work against our own vitality, our own self-interest for stupid things. The heart wants what the heart wants. Depending on your age, that is from Emily Dickinson or Selena Gomez. (laughs) And this is why I have this practice of many, most of my prayer times, I open with Psalm 139. It says this, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. See if there's any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Search me. God is already searching you. So what I want to do is I want to I I get on the same page with him. God, search me. Make it known to me. I'm going to give you my anxieties. If there's a wicked way in me, get it out of there. And if I follow, see, the, the, the two parts are, are, are mirrors of each other. The, verse 23 and verse 24, the first part is this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there would be any wicked way in me. Right, if you put those two together. The next part is try me and know my anxieties and lead me into the ways everlasting. See how they, they work together in a stanza? When we're anxious, the best thing to do, the best thing to do when you're anxious is to, lead, to go to God for his leading and guidance. Put yourself in dependence to him and the anxieties will, will, will file themselves properly. They may not all go away because we're human. So God, search me. Don't just search me from a judgment way. Search me so that I might know as well the wickedness that is in my heart. All right, last one. Facts of life, number three. Sin brings death, but God brings life. Romans 5, large section. Here we go. For while you were still helpless at the right time, in the fullness of time, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely would someone die for a just person, though for a good person perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us that while we were still miserable, horrible, 
sinners who rejected him in every way, shape, or form, who do not want to live independent of him, but want to live independent of him. That's the kind of sinner we're talking about. Christ died for that guy. Who is that guy? That guy's me. That guy's you. How much more then, since we have been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from wrath? That's, see, see there? So who is God saving us from? From, from us and, and from him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we, will we be saved by his life? And not only that, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received this reconciliation. If you got it, boast about it. What is that? It's called preaching the gospel. You don't have to go to seminary. You don't have to figure out how to make a three-point sermon. If you got the reconciliation of, of, of Christ, boast about it. And that is what we call preaching the gospel, witnessing. It's, 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 we make it really complicated. It's not complicated. We were talking about this the other day, uh, opening up our neighborhoods and talking uh, to other people about Christ. It's, if you got it, you've been given this great gift, this great revelation of God's love and, and, and redemption for you. Boast about it. It's a good thing. If you divorce yourself from the Lord of life, life eventually becomes unlivable like a diver rejecting scuba gear. Death is the inevitable consequence. But listen to this. It's also the just consequence. King David discovered that God is both just and merciful. He forgives his creatures even for rejecting him when they return, when they return to him. Psalm 32, 5. And I love this verse. Then I acknowledged my sin to you. It did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. That's a powerful verse. It's, 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 it's kind of like a narrative, too. I love it. It's not, it's not like this theological statement. It's just like, this is what I did. I recognized. See, that only makes sense, though, if it started as cre- if we started as creatures made by a loving creator. This, all this only makes sense if God is a loving God. Why else would God even bother about us? First time you sin, boom, you're dead. Like kind of like Zeus. <laughs> Lightning bolts galore. Why does he do that? Why doesn't he just why doesn't he just go like scorched earth on us and just start again? The whole Bible is the reason why. Because I don't know if you realize it, but in the in the second third chapter of the Bible where we screwed up. <laughs> the rest of it is all about how God loves us and wants to rectify the situation. So we start out with this God. It's because he loves us. Because God knit us together in our mother's womb. We mattered to him so much that he made the ultimate sacrifice on our behalf. This was the price for restoring relationship to God 
that we um, that were created that we were created for. All right, I'm just going to rattle off a couple verses here in closing. Second Peter three nine, and I love this one. This shows how this shows how good God is. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. First John one nine. If we confess our sins, he is faithful, and here's that word again, just, to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Joel 2.13, return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. That's your, that's our God. He's slow to anger and abounding. It's, that's who God is. There is no other God. There's not like, oh, we, you know, there's a bad God over here and there's a good God. No, this is God. And he's revealed to himself, to us, through the scriptures, what he's like. And he relents over disaster. Isn't that a good thing? Isaiah 30, verse 15. For thus said the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest, you shall be saved. How many people could use a little bit of rest today? If you're not receiving, if you're not feeling rested, now I know life is busy. I'm not saying about like physical rest. Life is busy. But if your soul is tired, just return. Because my, my, my thought is this. You're trying to do things independently of God. You're trying to make things happen. You're trying, to, you're trying to make things work on your own steam. And that's soul exhausting. He said, in rest, you'll return. Sorry, in returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust, shall be your strength. Think about that. In quietness and trust, you're strong. Wait, I don't have to, like, strive for this stuff? I don't have to, like, no, exactly the opposite. Take a break. Calm down. Give it to God. Get under dependence to God. Get in right relationship with God, and you will find the rest that your soul is so crying out for. That's your strength. And in full circle, back to the beginning, John 3, 17. For God did not send his son to this world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That's the God you serve. I hope you serve him. That's the God I serve. I'm not always great at it. But he did all the work. For me, it's just abiding. It's just getting close. I, remember, I, I'm not enough. As soon as you come, to, the quicker you come to that realization, the better your life will be. But with Christ, you're more than enough. He loves you. Okay, back to the question that started with, how does God see us? How does God see us? 
from his viewpoint, how does he look down at Bob Shagden? Hey, Bob. Front row, get picked on, sorry. How does he look down on Karen today? What is the view of God towards you? After all of this, all these verses, all this discussion, my hope today is that you realize that he is crazy about you. I don't know what else to tell you. He's crazy about you. The word says it. He was crazy about you when he created humanity. He was crazy about you when he planted the garden. He was crazy about you when he gave you the choice to make, he gave us the choice to to make him a Lord or to take lordship for ourselves. He was crazy about you when, even when we failed him in the garden, he said, okay, from this point on, I'm working on this. I got a new book I'm working on. And it's going to culminate with the seed of the woman stomping on the seed of the serpent. From that point on, he was crazy about you. He's crazy about you all the way through uh, the Old Testament. And he sent his son in the fullness of time because he's crazy about you. He loves you today. Don't let anybody tell you any different. He's crazy about you. Would you stand with me, please? I hope you enjoyed our podcast today. To find out more about New Life Church or to plan a visit, go to our website at discovernewlife.org.